Hey everyone, welcome to, I know this sounds weird, but the podcast where we talk about all things spooky, ghosty, spiritual, and esoteric. I'm your hostess, Allie Lemieux. So I hope everybody has had a wonderful week. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today and just wanted to kind of start off by telling you a little bit about what to expect on this episode. So I decided to talk about the great state of Virginia, the state that I was born and raised in, and I'm going to be telling a few ghost stories that I found. Um, as well as a story from one of my friends from the Shenandoah, um, Appalachian Mountains, Shenandoah Valley. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about uh, folklore and legends and stuff like that in the state of Virginia as well. So um, this is probably going to be a long one. I have some really great stories to tell. So also, if you have any stories you want to share with me, any experiences, um, anything, any weird dreams, anything like that, definitely feel free to email them to me. My email is I know this sounds weird pod at gmail.com. Also, I'm thinking about starting a Instagram account. Um, I don't know if I want to do that yet. But I did get a um, picture that went along with the story that I'm going to be telling from my friend. And uh, so I do eventually want to share that as long as I have permission um, on social media at some point. So it might wait for a couple episodes before I start that, but definitely a possibility in the future. So definitely send your stories, send me photos. Um, I love taking a look at any kind of paranormal photos that you might have, um, just to kind of see what I can find uh, in them as well. So definitely send everything my way, but let's go ahead and get started. Okay. All right. So for me, I have lived in Virginia most of my life, and I honestly have not had too many experiences in Virginia, which is really surprising. Um, There's been a couple different things that have happened to me. I, um, you know, as a kid growing up, my house had weird things happen a lot. Um, You always kind of felt like you're being watched. Um, like somebody was standing, it was like a split level home. So it was technically three floors. Um, but the downstairs area had the laundry room, a half bath, um, a room that we converted into a bedroom and the living, like the casual family room area. So at the top of those steps, there was always like this presence kind of just standing there and you just feel it. It was, it was not like scary or anything. It just kind of made you feel a little uneasy because you felt somebody watching you. And my parents used to call this spirit Jasper and I never really saw it or anything like that. I never really had too many experiences in the house itself. Um, It was just kind of there. And oftentimes I would think like family would come through um, and visit us, but there really wasn't like too much going on there. Um, I've also been to a few of the different battlefields in Virginia. And I would say maybe one time I kind of had an experience. So I was, um, at the battle of bull run, the Manassas battlefield. And it was kind of a, it was the 155th anniversary of the battle. And basically we were kind of out walking around. There was a lot of reenactments, a lot of things going on. And they had one of the houses that they used as a field hospital open for people to go into. And basically I was pretty okay in the house. Um, But when I went upstairs, I felt awful. 
I got really, really hot. Um, I felt sick, dizzy, headache, just a lot of pressure. The room just felt really full. And I kind of attribute it more towards the empathic abilities in myself and not so much of a paranormal experience. I did notice at one point that I was standing on a blood stain. So that definitely could have had a lot to do with what I was feeling. But other than that, I mean, I, I don't really have too much else. There was a time when I lived in a town called Linden. And Linden is right next to a town called Front Royal. And Front Royal used to be called Helltown. The reason why it was called Helltown is it was kind of the gateway into the West Virginia mountains. And so there's a lot of miners that went through there. Um, and the town was basically overrun by gambling, by prostitutes, by murders, and just kind of outlaws that kind of took over the town. And it was very transient at the time. So it was like the wild, wild west, but it was in the Appalachian Mountains. So that's kind of how it got its name. And there's also a lot of lore around that area, um, people experiencing different cryptids. Um, and there's a lot of history of witchcraft in the area as well. So that was one thing that was heavily practiced in that area. And there are ancient fault lines not too far from there. Not anything that's currently active, but just like with the geology of the area and everything like that, there's a lot of amped up energy in that area in general. Plus you have the Shenandoah River that cuts through there as well. Um, and just kind of the way it forks around the town. I feel like that has a lot to do with the energy of that town. So my ex and I lived in this two bedroom cabin that was in Linden and it was pretty high up into the mountain. Um, it was a difficult winding road, pretty steep to get there. And one night he woke me up and was saying that somebody was underneath the house. So the house had a cellar that was all dirt and it was literally the house was built into the side of the mountain. Um, so very, very steep backyard. It was not something that anybody could just stroll down. Like you had to be careful walking down the backyard, walking down to get to the bottom of the house. So it was also kind of gravelly. So it would also make a lot of noise if somebody were to, you know, walk down it. So if somebody was walking around the house, either side, we probably would have heard them. Um, but my ex heard somebody underneath the house. So he told me to call the cops and I call the cops and they show up and they, you know, investigate the area, walk around the house, see if they can find anything. And they seemed kind of weird, like, uneasy almost. And I kind of attributed it because there was a situation with a motorcycle club and that has a clubhouse that was like two streets from us. And there was an issue with them and one of the police officers. So I thought maybe it had something to do with that. And they basically were like, well, we don't know what it was, but we saw someone run into the woods. Well, the thing about that, looking back on it, you know, obviously I took it at face value back then because I wasn't smart enough to think about it, but nobody could run into the woods. They would have fallen down. There's literally no way. If you saw cops coming up, there was no way you could make it from underneath the house to the woods without tripping or falling over a rock or a boulder that was in the ground and, or even dealing with the steep grade that was there. 
you had to be super careful about it. So looking back on it, I find that kind of interesting and it makes me wonder if maybe it was something, not someone. Um, also a few days before that, maybe a week before that we were woken up around like four o'clock in the morning. And I, I remember it was right around four o'clock because I was so mad because I was supposed to wake up at four 30 and there was this awful blood curdling scream and where we lived, there was only one family that lived there full time. Everybody else was part-time, like in the summer, on the weekends kind of thing. And this fam the family that lived there full-time, they were Mennonites. So hearing a scream at four o'clock in the morning makes you kind of freak out a little bit when you live in the middle of the nowhere in the woods. So of course I still had to walk the dogs and everything. And we thought maybe it was a mountain lion, but Virginia claims there's no mountain lions in those mountains. So I don't know what it was. There are a lot of um, thoughts that some cryptids can make screams that sound like women. Um, there've also been reports of dogmen sightings in the area. Um, as well as other cryptids like Bigfoot um, and possibly other fae, kind of like maybe not the same as fairies, but there are some other forms of fae as well that are kind of more along the lines of a gnome. And those have also been reported in those mountains and in that area as well. So I don't know what it really was. I haven't had too many experiences, like I said, in Virginia. Maybe I can think of some more, but most of what I've experienced has been outside of the state. But since my friend Tim sent me this awesome email um, of his story, I definitely wanted to go ahead and give homage to my home state, my native state, and tell some stories. So next I'm going to go ahead and get into Tim's story. Okay, so Tim's story is called Shenandoah Cabin Creeps. So Tim says, my family bought 160 acres in the Shenandoah National Forest when I was eight. I grew up there and learned a lot about the outdoors and building. We built the cabin by hand. When we bought the land, there was a large white two-story farmhouse and a detached smokehouse. The smokehouse was built into a hill with a stone cellar and tin roof and had a large open window facing the farmhouse. Before we were about to break ground, we had the local fire department come out and do a controlled burn down of the farmhouse. The smokehouse was left intact. We broke ground and began slowly building over the years. There was a small drainage pond that had formed next to the smokehouse after grading changes to the property. It was constantly filled with frogs and I loved playing around the pond and kept trying to catch them. I remember on several occasions hearing glass jars in the stone cellar clinking and a few times thinking that out of the corner of my eye, I saw someone standing in the window of the smokehouse. I do want to stop there real quick. I learned recently that there is a phenomenon. Um, I think it's called Kotep or Coop, something like that. And it's literally corner of the eye phenomenon. And basically the thought process is, is that out of the corner of our eyes, we can see more infrared light. Um, so when you see something out of the corner of your eye and you go to look at it, you're not going to be able to see it with your normal eyesight just because our eyes can't pick up directly that infrared light that we can see out of the corner of our eyes. So wanted to talk about that real quick there, but back to the story. When I was 12, the concrete garage foundation had been laid and the ceiling first level, uh, excuse me, ceiling first level floor 
was just plywood. One weekend, my dad and I were there on our own doing some woodwork. There was sawdust all over the plywood, but we didn't bother cleaning it up. That night, we went. We were sleeping in a tent in the garage. I was woken up by a thud. Scared, I woke my dad up, and we listened in the pitch black to what sounded like footsteps going across the floor above us. My dad grabbed his pistol and a flashlight and ran out to see who was up there, but didn't see anyone anywhere. The next morning, we woke up and went outside. Walking around the plywood, I saw small, bare footprints in the sawdust. My dad assured me it was a possum, telling me their footprints looked like a child's bare foot. That night, we heard the same noise. Dad checked and saw nothing. Checked again the next morning, but no footprints were found anywhere. Years later, when I was learning to drive, my dad would let me drive the farm truck up and down the dirt road that went from the cabin to the country road. It was mostly covered by overhanging walnut and pine trees. At night, the road gets very dark with all the tree coverage. One night, I was on the road driving back up to the cabin from fishing at a neighbor's pond. As I came to a particularly dark curve in the dark road, I noticed it seemed even darker than normal. As I rounded the corner, the headlights illuminated a little girl in a blue dress with brunette braids. The second I saw her, the truck shut off and the headlights went out. I remember feeling a chill even though it was a warm summer night. Shaking, I immediately started the truck back up and flipped the headlights on only to see an empty dirt road. I didn't tell my dad about what I'd seen, convinced my eyes were just playing tricks on me. We checked the truck out and found no issues at all. Over the following years, nothing out of the ordinary ever happened again other than a bobcat that for about two years we would constantly hear crying at night that would be sitting on a large boulder next to the smokehouse. I have no idea what any of it means. Never tried to look into any history of the property or the people that live there. Hopefully you can use this in your podcast and maybe you might be able to shed some light on the experience. So that's definitely a pretty crazy experience, um, all of it. And I've already talked about the corner of the eye thing, but especially with the little girl and the truck shutting off, um, one thing that I've learned, you know, as a paranormal investigator is that oftentimes when something is trying to manifest, it will take whatever it can from a power source. And it could be that that little girl, as she tried to manifest, basically pulled all the energy from the truck that it made it shut off. And, you know, obviously depending on the year of the truck and everything like that, it's definitely possible. Um, especially with an older truck and the battery and everything, the way those run, I don't know how possible it'd be with a newer vehicle, but I definitely think that it could definitely happen. Um, also with the footprints, I mean, depending on the size, I don't know if I'd write those off as a possum. Um, I would like to think that possibly that could have been, you know, some sort of fay, um, especially if they're small feet, you know, small feet, but not like real small. Um, because there are the moon men that are known to be in the Appalachian mountains. Um, there's other types of gnomes and fairies and things like that, that have been cited and seen and documented as well. So especially in that Shenandoah Valley area, there is a lot going on. Um, and it seems like national forests are all overrun as well. So definitely uh, could be a possibility. And as I was talking about this, I just remembered something too that I didn't notice until I wish I still had the photo. I can't find it anywhere. 
But one time, um, this was probably 2008 or 2009, um, when I was married, my ex-husband and I used to love to go hiking uh, in Skyline Drive. And we would, um, we had like a season pass there and we would go up and hike and take our Husky that we had. And we walked across a small bridge and I decided to take a picture of the creek that ran through underneath the bridge. And when I posted the photo on Facebook, so it had to be like 2008 or nine, I guess. When I had posted it online, um, one of his friends commented, you know, about the little girl in the photo. And after looking at it, there literally was this, it was not super detailed, but you could tell it was a girl with dark hair, kind of short, wearing like a purple shirt or a dress. Um, and honestly, kind of reminded me of like Dora the Explorer. So I never, I don't remember feeling anything, um, but I was super compelled to take that photo. So that could have been something as well. But yeah, those mountains and that whole area definitely has a weird vibe and weird things going on. And there's a lot of unknown history in that area as well. Um, just with the natives and they um, living in the area and everything like that as well. All right, so now I'm going to get into some stories that I found on Reddit. Um, some of these are pretty long and there may be some errors in here, so I'm going to try to do the best I can because I did not really have time to edit them. Um, so bear with me, but I'm going to do the best I can at retelling them. So this first story is called The Pale Lady in Virginia. And there is a disclaimer here. It says, this is, to the best of my recollection, a true story. Some of the details escape me, and in those cases, cases, I will mention that. I have not added any false or exaggerated details. I hope you enjoy my stroll down memory lane. <laughs> I was nine years old, and my family was preparing to move from Arkansas to Virginia. The night before we moved, I remember sleeping on the floor. Since all the beds were packed away, I had a terribly vivid and haunting dream. In the dream, I was barefoot in the dark, walking up a gravel road. There were trees, possibly woods, on either side of me. It was cold, and the gravel was excruciating on my feet. I can't remember if the road was on an incline or not, but eventually a house came into view. The gravel road and the woods were behind me. It was dark, so the exact details of the house were not clear. It was not particularly inviting. Still, I was cold, alone, and in the, in the dark. I approached the house, needing the shelter, but the front door was locked. I walked around the house, looking for another way in, and discovered stairs leading to the basement door. It was unlocked. Inside was empty, dark, and bare. The room I was in felt big, with, wall, with a walled-in staircase in the dead center of the room. I tried to go up the stairs, but caught a flash of something out of the corner of my eye, something pale and white. I got off the bottom step and looked around the staircase to my right. There was a pale lady gliding across the floor. Her movement was um, ethereal, but she was not translucent, although not fully solid either. The best comparison I can think of is glacier ice, very white with layers. She wore something like a nightgown and had around shoulder-length hair. But her hair was suspended, tossed around, or tossed about in some sluggish wind as if she were underwater. She was not interested in, in me at first, simply floating across the room almost distracted. Then she stopped. 
her hair and gown still moving gently, her head slowly turned to face me. I am getting chills remember, remembering. I wanted to run, but I was frozen with fear. Her eyes were black, full of darkness. Her mouth fell open as if she was shocked to see me, and inside it was a dark void. Her silent gasp transformed her transformed as her jaw continued to drop, stretching the features of her face. Her mouth yawning open into an abyss. My fear became so intense, but still I couldn't move, and still there was no sound. Then I heard the shuddering gasp, as if it had traveled a great distance before it could reach me. It was the drawing of breath before a frightful scream. And the scream that followed was tremendous and so sharp. It pierced my ears and woke me up. My older sister had to console me before I could go back to sleep, but I did not tell her the dream. Fast forward to Virginia. My family was relatively poor, so we lived in my mom's cousin's cousin. We lived with my mom's cousin until we could find a place of our own. It was on a gravel road with a farm on one side and woods on the other side. I remember hearing foxes scream for the first time staying there. They sounded like a woman being murdered. We became acquainted with the neighbors who lived down the gravel road and after a few months, learned they were moving. The house they had been renting was up for the taking, so we took it. I had seen the house many times, but it wasn't until we were moving in that I realized this was the house from the terrible dream. The stairs leading to the basement from the outside, Walden staircase in the center of the basement floor, the gravel road leading up to the house, the woods flanking that road. The only thing missing from the dream was the farm. We lived there for about three years, and in that time, all my siblings experienced absolute terror of the basement for some unknown reason. Turning off the light in the basement was a nightmare, and all of us kids would bolt up the stairs afterwards. Everyone would catch flashes of white in their peripheral vision. My grandfather had a stroke in that house and suffered a traumatic fall with a terrible head injury. My stepdad was the meanest he ever was. Social anxieties at their peak for everyone. We all had a multitude of nightmares in that house, two of which stuck with me. In one dream that I did not realize was a dream, I lay awake in bed unable to sleep because two people were arguing. The argument seemed to be coming from the corner of my room, and I stared at the corner in horror as the argument intensified. A man was raging and a woman was whimpering. I hid under the covers, but it was just but it just kept getting more and more intense. I had to do something. He was going to kill her. I got out of bed intending to call the police, but the moment I left my room, I knew he was looking for me. He was in the basement. He was coming up the stairs. I stayed quiet and hid inside the closet in the living room. I was beyond frightened and I felt sick. I knew I was going to throw up. I knew he would hear me. I held my hands, held out my hands and hurled, feeling the vomit in my palms between my fingers, hearing it fall to the floor. I just knew he was going to hear the sound. He did not. I don't remember going to bed, but I remember it was safe enough for me to go to bed at some point. I faintly recall still hearing the woman in the corner, but I'm not sure. There was no vomit in the closet in the morning. I could not believe it. It was so, it was difficult accepting that it was a dream and even more difficult to accept that I was probably sleepwalking. I never had before or since, and I had passed so close to those stairs, steep stairs. In another dream, I was with my family in the living room, having a good time. It changed in an instant. There was some warning. 
The ticklers were coming and we had to hide. The sky outside was a sickly yellow. Everyone was afraid and quickly hid themselves, but I did not know where to hide. I was confused as to why the ticklers were so frightening. My siblings have tickled me to torturous extents before, but I cannot imagine it being so bad that everyone would be afraid of this and desperate to hide. I hid behind the couch. I think I was warned not to peek, but I did not listen. The front door opened and tall, bald men filed in. One holding the door for the others. There were at least four, at most six. These men seemed huge with great broad shoulders, long arms, and they were all dressed in suits like businessmen. They had no hair and no faces. Their hands were gigantic, even in comparison to their bodies, with long, thick fingers that radiated impossible strength. They saw me. Well, their blank faces turned towards me. They were not slow, but they did not rush either. They moved with purpose. One or two of them moved the couch with stupid ease, and I was dragged into the middle of the floor, kicking and screaming. They did not kneel or crouch. Their tall frames leaned over me, and their powerful fingers dug into my ribs, tickling me. I only felt a faint tickle. It was the pain I felt most of all. When it became too much, I woke up, my ribs aching for days. I realized these ticklers sound like Slenderman, but I had this dream in 02 or 03. Eventually, we moved out of the house after having issues with our landlord. We heard years later that our old landlord had gutted the basement in that house and found hundreds of dead snakes in the walls and under the concrete. We all found that very strange since none of us remember seeing a single snake the entire time we lived there. We never heard of anything else associated with the house. Well, those are some pretty intense dreams. Um, And yes, those men kind of sound like Slenderman. However, they also give the same kind of vibe of the men in black. Um, which is contributed to um, alien abductions. So potentially it could have been something like that. I find it really interesting how this person had physical feelings after waking up um, from those dreams. And they almost seem premonition-esque which is very interesting as well. So that was a very creepy um, story, but at least most of it was just dreams and not anything too serious for them. Okay, guys, so here's the next one. This one is called Appalachian Experiences. I've had several paranormal experiences. Perhaps it runs in the family. I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains of Virginia in a long, deep hollow. Superstition runs as deep as the hollows. You grow up with it. It's second nature. You don't think it's strange or weird because everyone believes it, and everyone does it, and everyone has a story to tell. A willow branch will help uh, help find water. You shiver someone has walked on your grave. You put salt in on windowsills blue bottles and trees, you knock on wood and always say you aren't welcome here when you answer the door and no one is there. You don't question it. You just do it because it keeps you safe. Safe from what? Things, unexplained things. My mother grew up in an old house in the back of a place called the Cove, a long hollow deep in the woods. You won't find it on a map. It's a local name for a small part of the area. When she was a child there, her blankets would be pulled off of her. She would say, I'm cold, and then it would stop. Footsteps used to stomp up and down the stairs at night until one night her father yelled out. She said the footsteps stopped and they never heard them again at night. Eventually moved out of the house to another house. 
An old man moved in after them. The neighbors a bit down the road said the man came running to their house in the middle of the night asking if he could sleep there. Said he wasn't staying in that house another night. He wouldn't say what happened to him, and he never went back to that house. My father claims he was followed by what he called the old woolly booker. I don't know what that may be, but I heard my grandma talk about the woolly booker, which is Bigfoot for anybody that's wondering. She said it would scream at night where she lived as a child gave her the chills. Her father would pace the floor when they heard it screaming. My grandma said her father thought it was a bad omen when the woolly booger was screaming. My dad said he was walking home from the fair. He heard something behind him. It was a bright night, but he couldn't see anything. He kept walking, heard it again. He turned and saw a, a tall, dark shadow. He just knew it was up to no good. So he hightailed it out of there with the woolly booger following behind him the entire time. When I was little, we lived in an old home. It was over a hundred years old. It didn't have a bathroom. We used an outhouse and, a, and washed in a basin. My mom called it a whore bath. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there was two large bedrooms upstairs. One of those was mine. I can clearly recall talking to an older lady. We sat on my bed. She was telling me this was her bedroom at one time, and she even was born in that very room. She loved that house as much as I did and still do. I wasn't scared at all. She was my friend. I was later told there was no such woman, and this was my imagination. It wasn't. We used to play in the mountains. Once we were swinging on a grapevine, that was... Is That is what we called them, those large, thick vines which grow up the trees. You cut it off at the bottom and hang on for dear life. Take a run, take a run and swing out and pray it doesn't break. It can be like flying if you find a good one which will swing out over the hill. We were swinging hard. We had found the perfect grapevine. You went out high into the sky and could almost touch the clouds and see the valley um, see the valley bottom. We kept seeing a house down in the bottom, but we weren't. But there wasn't a house there. There never had been. Maybe someone built it. Maybe it was new. Maybe we just never noticed it. We went to investigate, being the adventurous little mountain devils we were. We couldn't find it. We went back to swinging, saw the house, went searching, couldn't find it. This happened several times. When we went home, each of us asked our parents. Each of us were told not to go to that house and stop searching for it. We were forbidden, never given an explanation for it. We didn't see the house again. When I was in school in first grade, one of the teachers had committed suicide. You heard the other teacher's parents talking about it in whispers. I was in class and went to the bathroom. On my way back, I saw that teacher, the one that had killed herself. She was standing at the end of the hallway. I was ready. I, I was getting ready to go back to the into the classroom about halfway down the hall. She was just standing there, looking so sad. I felt horrible, like I wanted to cry. I was so sorry for her. The look on her face, she was so sad. It looked as if she missed her life now that it was gone. I remember thinking you shouldn't have killed yourself if you wanted to live so badly. I have other stories, many stories of my experiences and from my family. I just don't have the time right now to write them all down. If you want to hear others, I will come back and tell some more, provided people are interested. So those were pretty awesome stories, to be honest. Um, 
again, this kind of goes along with what I was saying about the Appalachian Mountains, the the people, the folklore, um, the history of the mountains, um, very, very superstitious people. Um, they know that there's something going on in those mountains. Um, the woolly booger uh, is the same thing as Bigfoot or very similar to Bigfoot. Um, in a sense, it's just another name. It's basically the Appalachian name for it. Um, so very interesting that this person's family had experiences with it um, as well. So, and seeing the mysterious house, I thought that was very interesting that, you know, while they were in a time of, of adventure and play that, and like swinging was the only time that they could see the house. So I'd be really interested to know more about that. Um, so maybe I can find another story from this person in the future. So the next story I have here is called the Roanoke house. When we first moved in, it was awesome. My boyfriend moved in first in February, 2014 after taking a job at a local, uh, with a local builder. I stayed in Richmond until April when I landed a good job in Roanoke. It was such a beautiful home, 2,800 square foot, four bedrooms, a vaulted ceiling, great room with two large floor to ceiling windows with a view of our little valley between two mountains. We fell in love with the large family room with a fireplace and high-end kitchen with stainless steel appliances. I had been living in the house for about a month when I first felt something was wrong. I would wake up in the middle of the night feeling like something was watching me, but I could never see anything and our dog that was very protective and barks and anything that moves never barked. Every time it happened, I would lay awake for a while, then drift back to sleep. One night I woke up after looking around the room and finding no one there again. I rolled onto my right side with my back to the room and tried to go back to sleep. I felt something walking up the bed. Like I've said, we have a dog that sleeps with us. He's a Westie and weighs about 20 pounds. I opened my eyes thinking it was him coming to get under the covers, but it was a cat. The distinct outline of a cat with its tail up was directly between my boyfriend and me. I realized I could feel our dog against my legs already under the covers asleep. That's when I felt something brush against my butt. Pulling my eyes away from the cat, I could feel the covers were still over me, but this had not been something touching the covers. It was touching my skin, under the covers, under my PJs, but something that very much felt like a human hand. The cat was gone. I rolled onto my back trying to see into the dark, but I could see nothing. I don't know how long I laid there watching, but I feel... I but I fell back asleep at some point. The next day I told my boyfriend about it. We both joked that it was the butt muncher and how funny that we never noticed we had a ghost cat. I wrote it off as being a dream and tried not to think about it. I told a few of my new coworkers and we all had a good laugh about the butt muncher and the crazy ghost cat. I started noticing movement out of the corner of my eyes a little after that. It was always when I was in the family room. I can't count the number of times I almost had a heart attack thinking someone had just walked in from the kitchen only to look and there was nothing there. The family room was very large. The couch sat in the middle of the room against the far left wall at a 90 degree angle from the wall, offset from the center facing the TV. Behind the couch was a six foot was about six foot of space to the wall. There was a built-in bookshelf and a small table for crafts, so you could watch TV while you worked, overlooking the back of the couch. The kitchen door was on the back right side of the room, on the same wall as the bookshelf. 
So when you sat on the couch in the kitchen, uh, when you sat on the couch, the kitchen door was out of sight unless you turned a little bit to the right. The couch also faced the fireplace that was centered in the middle of the room on the far wall from the kitchen door. The front of the fireplace was polished brass, so reflected movement very well. Almost every night, I would look at the brass fireplace after I detected movement from the kitchen. I watched, I would watch it and wait, but wouldn't see it again. I checked many times. No, it was not the dog. He is short, and the reflections were always on the upper part of the fireplace. Being awoken at night kept uh, at night kept on and off through uh, throughout the summer, but I was only touched once more. That night, I again woke up feeling like I was being watched, with an almost overwhelming feeling that something was very close to my face, but I couldn't see anything in the dim, dim light. Telling myself I was being silly, I once again roll over on my right side and face my boyfriend. That's when I felt a hand rub my back right between my shoulders. It wasn't skin on skin this time, but it was unmistakable. I rolled over, swing my left fist at the air, attempting to hit whatever I knew was standing next to the bed. I struck nothing, only the air. I again lay in bed on my back, looking into the darkness until I drifted back to sleep. I again told my boyfriend about it, but neither of us could figure out if this was real or just a dream. Around the end of August, construction began. Construction being construction, my boyfriend was laid off, but since he was very good at what he does, he was able to land a job with a national company. He had been trying to keep a local job so he wouldn't have to move as often. Since the job wouldn't be starting for another three months, he had to go to their main office in Illinois. That left me alone in the house until we could move to Washington. I wasn't molested again, thank goodness, but one new thing did start happening. Something started touching my hair. I could be watching TV, walking the dog, or even at work, and I would feel it. I don't know if you have ever been to Virginia, but it's lousy with stink bugs. Oh my God, it is. <laughs> and it was fall. They go mad and are all over the place. So the first few times I thought they were the culprit, but never did find one of the buggers. Most distracting uh, was it was on the top of my head, close to my hairline, as often as five or six times a day. So if it had been a critter, it would have fallen in my face. This went on for what this went on to last for three months. I was in the house, uh, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. This went on for the last three months. I was in the house alone with the reflections in the fireplace front. I was not convinced that it was something supernatural until now. I say that because since moving from that house, it's all stopped. No movement out of the corner of my eyes, no hair touching, and definitely no butt muncher. So very interesting. Um, especially the fact that it followed her out of the house. Um, I will say those stink bugs. Oh my gosh, it's getting better. Um, they're starting to die out, but I know that they were, I'm pretty sure they were like released, um, to take care of the ladybugs or something like that because they released ladybugs for something else. I don't know. It was a mess, but, um, when I lived in that cabin in Linden, uh, the door to the house was West facing. So at night or during sunset, it was really warm and they were, oh my gosh, it would just be, it was like wall to wall stink bugs. And they found ways into the house. It was horrible. So I definitely understand the stink bug situation. Um, 
granted mine was back in like 2011. So a little bit before this, um, when they were definitely way worse, but yeah, stink bugs are awful. And honestly, I think I'd rather have a stink bug touching me than a ghost. So yeah. <laughs> Okay, guys, so I have two more stories to read. This one's really short, and then I have another long one. This one is called, Has Anybody from Virginia Ever Had a Strange Encounter? I have. So I'm now 29 years old, and this happened when I was 14. I was hunting in Jefferson National Forest with my dad and sister. I was on a ridge overlooking the next ridge, which was about 75 yards away, and I saw something through my scope. I heard crunching through the leaves on the next ridge and saw what looked like a bipedal creature that resembled a hairless meerkat that was about three feet tall. It was awkwardly running diagonally up the ridge and crested the top out of sight. I didn't shoot at it or anything because I didn't feel threatened, but I remember it clearly. I never told anyone about it because I was a teenager at the time, and I know how it sounds, but I figured I'd share with you guys. If anyone has ever had an experience in the woods of Virginia or West Virginia, I'd love to hear from you. So again, another story about another cryptid um, in Virginia. There's actually... Um, stories about things like this um all over the country um and there have been like recorded videos of them um where they kind of look like if you've ever seen men in black like the bugs there's the part where they're in like the break room area drinking coffee um they kind of look like that but more like skin, not like an exoskeleton, like a bug has. So, um, I forget what they're called, but it's another cryptid. And like I said, Virginia is absolutely filled with them. And it's interesting that you don't hear more about them, to be honest. Okay. So I figured since all the other stories were about the mountains in Virginia, that I should try a story from a different part of Virginia. So this story is called The Knox in Virginia Beach. The story is absolutely true and happened to me a couple of years ago. I've told my friends, but never sat down and documented it all in writing. In December of 2012, I joined the Navy. In March of 2014, I moved from one technical school in Great Lakes, Illinois, to another technical school in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For the first few months in Virginia, I was assigned to a short-term housing situation, a place called the Navy Gateway. It was basically a hotel, but with one twin bed per unit. It was pretty nice, as when I wasn't in school, I spent most of my time out on the pier or doing things outside with friends, so I didn't spend much time in my room except to sleep. A few months into school, I got hit with orders to relocate my living situation to an older barracks. Building 508 was one of the oldest buildings on base, but the rooms were laid out much differently and the closets were much bigger. The carpet was older and the sheets and amenities were no longer provided, but I was glad. I had plenty of stuff and wanted less involvement with base workers anyway. I had six months left on base and I'd much rather live somewhere I can decorate and feel like it's a miniature apartment. Though my daily cleaning service wouldn't come any longer, now I was stuck with mandatory crappy, now I wasn't stuck with mandatory crappy cable that was already in the Navy Gateway. I had a cable company come out and wire my room with the loaded digital cable and Wi-Fi package. I spent more time in this room now since some of my friends had left for other duty stations. The ceilings were 10 feet and I had way more shelves. The only downside was that my fan and overhead light didn't work with the wireless remote that was by the door. Each unit has two bedrooms with closing locking doors. They share a common area with a bathroom, fridge, cabinets, 
and a small sink area. The first day I moved over, I remember the door to room 320A. I had the other uh, bedroom, 320B, it was closed. I did a quick inspect and discovered a wet towel hanging on the rack, moisture in the sink, and soon after, a voice in the other bedroom. Damn, I thought I was hoping I'd have the unit to myself. So I spent the rest of the afternoon migrating my things from Gateway 508 or gateway to 508. On the second trip back to 508, there was a strong aroma of freshly sprayed cologne with armfuls of bags. I didn't want to have to keep digging out my key card to open the door. So I locked the deadbolt to keep the door propped open. About the fourth trip over, after opening the front door into the common space, I noticed my door had been shut. The deadbolt was put back. The door was closed and latched with my wallet in the bedroom. Oh, great. My roommate is an inconsiderate boob, I thought. So I walked to the building responsible for assigning keys, which was unfortunately not that close to 508, and asked to be let back into my room. The gal at the front desk and I walked back across the base together. She let me in. I told her, I'm sorry, the guy who lives in Unit A must have closed the door for some reason. To which she replied, nobody lives in A. I told her that can't be. I explained everything that had happened. She took her master key, opened the door to that room, bare bones. The mattress was flipped up. The drawers pulled out and empty. Everything was just as it should be for a new resident to move in. Turns out I did have the unit to myself. So that freaked me out. Fast forward a few weeks and fall was moving in. I love fall and cool, crisp air. So at night, at nighttime, I cracked my window open. Sure, it would get too cold by morning, but I love waking up when it's 58 degrees inside and the heater is off. Well, I continued this tradition every night until one night it got really cold. It was probably 40 outside and not much warmer inside. I was startled awake sometime after midnight by three knocks on my door. Quick, friendly knocks, mind you. This came from outside my bedroom door, not the unit. So it, it was in the kitchen common area. I thought maybe I imagined it. So I waited about 15 seconds and it happened again. I got up thinking somebody obviously wanting to speak with me. I opened the door, nobody there. Right after I closed it, three knocks. I thought maybe it was coming from the hallway, so I opened the door again and walked through the common area, checked the peephole into the hallway, nothing. I went back into my room, looked around. Could there be something loose, swinging or creaking, an animal on the wall? I walked all around the room, quietly looking and listening for anything. Nothing. Nothing happened for another minute or two, so I went back to bed. The second I pulled the covers up over me, three knocks again. Definitely had to be on my door, no question about it. So I walked up to the door, but it didn't open it. I just looked at it. Three more knocks. Ten more seconds of staring, three more knocks. At this point, it hadn't even crossed my mind that it could be a ghost. So just unbelievably baffled at at what could be causing this the room was still cold my opening the window all night but combination of realizing that I think it's a ghost and maybe feeling some of the energy shift I absolutely shuddered it must have been 20 degrees in that room just then Realizing that something bigger than me was at work here, my attitude shifted dramatically right then. My demeanor went from an aggressive, oh my God, shut up, to a submissive, what can I do to not have a horror movie made about me? <laughs> it was then I realized maybe there's a ghost of someone just like me here. Someone not happy with the way their life in the Navy was. Someone who wished they hadn't enlisted. Someone who felt trapped. Or maybe it was someone who was cold. I felt like a genius who discovered a new way to make a baby stop crying. 
I ran over the window and shut it. The knocking stopped. I felt much more comfortable and the mood in the room instantly brightened up. For some reason, I felt like this was a peaceful spirit or at least one who didn't want to bother me. Of course, I had to test this theory over the coming months. Window open always got the three knocks and they always stopped when I shut it. I'd have friends over to hang out, tell them and then show them and they were all supremely freaked out. I was totally comfortable with it by then. I found it amusing. So one day I was on the phone with my dad, pretty upset about the way things had been going regarding my studies. And then I explained that I thought I was living with a ghost. And though the ghost seemed friendly, I was uncomfortable with it. That instantly dropped the temperature in my room. I went, I knew the ghost was upset that I was speaking about him or her as if they weren't there. I addressed that on the phone in real time and apologized saying, I'm sorry, I know you're here. And then, and right then the temperature went back to normal and the light hadn't, that hadn't worked for six months kicked on, illuminating my room far brighter than the lamps I'd been using ever had. I'm not sure anyone else's take on this, but I certainly am convinced by all of these experiences that there are spirits among us and sometimes they aren't evil. So that was a very interesting story, but I definitely agree that not all spirits are evil. Um, I think that movies, you know, Hollywood has really kind of played it up. Um, even the paranormal shows that are out there now have really just kind of played up this whole thing about ghosts or spirits, anything unknown being evil. And I think just like with humans, you have bad humans and you have good humans and same thing with spirits. You have bad spirits, you have good spirits. So at the end of the day, I think this was a really kind of heartwarming kind of story almost just because he kind of figured out what was going on and more or less was just like trying to live with the spirit and live with what was going on and kind of coexist, which I think is pretty cool. Okay. So I wanted to share one last thing that I thought was pretty interesting. And I know this episode had a lot to do with cryptids. Um, and I think that Virginia is actually, like I said, really well known for, well, maybe not well known for cryptids, but there's a lot going on there with different types of cryptids. So I found this information on ancestralfindings.com and it's the werewolf of Henrico County. So it says, does Virginia have an actual werewolf? Some people think so. Sightings of it have been going on for years. And those who have seen it say it's about six feet tall with pale gray fur. It has a human body, but a wolf's face and can stand and walk like a human. It can also chase away anyone who approaches it. Yet, unlike most wolf werewolves of legend, the one in Hen Henrico County has never been known to hurt anyone. It just chases people away because it seemingly likes its privacy. The werewolf is also notoriously noisy. Residents of Henrico County often hear a loud howling sound at night that they attribute to the werewolf. They say it sounds like sounds just like a dog, but more intense, like a dog on steroids. It's a perfect sound for a werewolf to make. So is there a werewolf in Henrico County, Virginia? No one knows for sure. However, it is not unusual for strange animals to be seen occasionally in most parts of the world, which is now, which is how we get legends such as Bigfoot, the Yeti, Loch Ness Monster. Virginia simply seems to have its own version of this worldwide phenomenon. So like I said, there. There's a lot going on in Virginia when it comes to cryptid. There's so many different types that are seen 
um, there. So, and there's some other really great stories, history, um, like the ghost of Sarah Henry and um, the mysterious treasure of Beale County, Virginia. There are so many other legends about the the state and that's not even getting into the native stories and legends and things like that. So um, I might in the future do some more digging, see if I can find out some more really cool stuff about Virginia um, and about what's going on there. But in the meantime, if you do have any kind of story about Virginia or any other paranormal story or experience or cryptid experience or alien experience or want to send anything about your spiritual experience, definitely send me um, an email. My email address is I know this sounds weird pod at gmail.com. Doesn't matter how short, how long it is. If you want to be anonymous, let me know. Um, But definitely send me your stories. I'd love to read them on the podcast and um, hopefully get to talk about it a little bit more. But that's going to do it for me tonight, guys. Um, I hope, again, to be able to do this weekly. I do have some things coming up, so that might not necessarily happen. But I would love to hear any kind of feedback you have. Uh, definitely give me a subscribe and rating, uh, five stars if you feel like it's been good, but I definitely enjoy doing these and I hope to do many, many more. So thank you all again, and I'll talk to you next time.